Good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm host Michael Dow, and I'm joined tonight, uh, as usual, by the inimitable Sue Timberlake. Hey there. And the uh, uh, corvidophilic uh, uh, Stacy Cooney. Hello. And she likes ravens. And uh, crows, sir, crows. Oh, really? I didn't realize ravens were a different family. They're a different bird, that's for sure. That I knew, but I thought they were all corvidae. They are all corvidae, but it's important to distinguish. Ah, my bad. And uh, oh, and our honorable guest—are we going to even? <laughs> nah, we're just going to. Who knows nothing about birds? <laughs> we're just going to banter as usual. Our, um, our secret guest. Our secret guest. Our guest tonight is Diana M. Zinel who's a Democratic candidate uh, for the first Hampshire representative seat. Uh, uh, in our attempt to be uh, uh, fair, as we had uh, your primary opponent last week, so we're going to give you a chance to, you know, tell us why you should get votes or whatever. So, or whatever. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Votes. Votes are what I want, not whatever. Um, well, you know, so you're asking but, me why I'm running, or you have a, you have a better I, I question, Michael? I do, absolutely. Okay. But first, I just want to mention a couple of things. So, um... We love to hear from our listeners here on Valley Free... Uh, well, here on Valley Free Radio, we love to hear from everybody who's listening. But civil politics, we definitely like to hear from you. And you can get in touch with us with a few different ways, even during the show. And we'll try and respond to your comments and questions. So you can reach us at civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org. That's email. Uh, Facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio is our community. Uh, and on Twitter, at civilpoliticsfm. We also have a website, which is civilpoliticsradio.com, and that uh, has recordings of previous episodes of the show, links to uh, candidates' websites when they're kind enough to join us, uh, and other useful stuff. Uh, also, when we uh, mention things on the show, we do attempt to uh, put a link up on Facebook and Twitter and use the hashtag civilreferences to make it easier for you to follow along at home, which, of course, you're all doing. So... And um, so, uh, 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 Ms. Zinel is going to tell us some stuff about uh, her candidacy and her stuff in a sec, but I just want to mention that uh, the primary in Massachusetts is going to be Tuesday, September 9th. So 4th. 4th. Tuesday, September 4th. Oh, that is... Sorry. (laughs) Bad handwriting. Tuesday, September (laughs) 4th. Don't close the loop at the top, because then it will look like a nine, kids. Right after that. Don't long show up on the ninth. Yeah, the there'll be nobody week. there. My and my apologies to Mrs. Howell back in 1977. <laughs> Taught you your handwriting. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yes. Uh, the The election is Tuesday, September 4th for the primary, and then the general election is going to be uh, November 6th. But uh, bef- are you from Amherst? No, I grew up in Andover. Oh, okay. Because I had a Mrs. Howell. No, uh, at Bancroft Elementary School in Andover, Massachusetts. Okay. <laughs> that would have been an amazing coincidence. It would have been. Yes. I, sadly not. So, I also, I, I'm mentioning that in part because next Wednesday, August 15th, is the last day to register to vote to be eligible to cast a ballot in the primary. And if you're already registered uh, and you want to vote in the Democratic primary, you must either be unenrolled or a registered Democrat. Correct. Um, registered Republicans or people in other parties have to take the ballots for their party. So 
I can't vote for our guest because right. I'm a registered Republican. Right. So well, you I could unenroll. I could unenroll. That you is could do true, that. Too. But you know, all my credits and my special Republican card. That, oh, you, know, <laughs> you don't want to forfeit that. <laughs> it resets to the factory defaults. Oh, <laughs> does it? Oh, yeah. Well, that'll be bad. Right, because there's a smart chip in there. I think. But notwithstanding, everyone should vote. I really, it's yeah. so important that people vote. Well, and I have to confess, I won't be voting for you because I live in East Hampton. Oh. So. I'm That's not, a bummer. I'm not a constituent. <laughs> that is a bummer. I can't so. convince either of you of anything tonight. Oh well, no, you can. You but can, but <laughs> in fact, you can. You can't get any of us because I'm in Hadley. Oh, for heaven's sake! Yeah, I'm so, so sorry. we are all nonpartisan tonight <laughs> towards great. you, at least. That's great. Oh, yeah, as we were towards your opponent last week. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. You know. Um, yeah, and, and if we do vote for you, something has gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we could write her in in the wrong. Uh, in the, I, I will tell that. you that I've had a, a, a number of Republicans uh, tell me that they've unenrolled so really? that they can vote for me. And they've said things to me like, I don't agree with you about anything, but I trust you. Oh, isn't that it, interesting? It, yeah, it's really interesting. And um, it's, well, it's one of the. One of the reasons, uh, as I mentioned before the show, let's not forget that elections are also job interviews as well Correct. as statements about political principles. And Correct. when we so. go out, um, when we leave the studio, we'll mm -hmm. show you the area that our um, service area is because you'll oh. see it's actually... It's going to get a number of your... Can of your yeah, it's, it's sure. your district, basically. Right. So, our, our yeah. range, and so. So, so just to... Oh, go ahead. So go... Uh, Sorry, I'm looking at two things at once. Um, so I just want to mention, so just to be clear, uh, you're running for the first Hampshire state representative seat, which includes the towns of Northampton, Hatfield, West Hampton, Southampton, and Montgomery. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. So you, uh, this is your first time running for office yourself, I believe? No, I um, ran for and was elected to the Hatfield Select Board twice. Ah, okay. So you're looking at the chairman of the board of the Board of Selectmen in Hatfield. No longer. Previously. 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 Right. Correct. So I was, I served two terms, which was six years, and three of those years I was uh, voted chair by my colleagues. Oh, Muslim. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, as as we wasps say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um and you, well, you have previous experience working with uh, Peter Kokot, who was the previous holder who passed away last year. Correct. So, so, so tell us a bit about your, your, your background and whatnot and why you are particularly interested in running for this job, besides a, a certain down-home, you know, sense of continuity. Right. <laughs> so the, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the best experience that I bring to this um to this race is the years I spent working for Peter Cocott. How many? Be 16. Oh, okay. 16 years from when he was first elected until he passed in February. Um, I was with him the whole time, learned from him, um, you know, assisted him on absolutely every aspect of the job. You know, the legislative components, the um, constituent work, the work with communities, um, all of that. Um, literally was able to learn everything about this job across the board from the best teacher you could possibly have. He was a really wonderful man. I don't know if any of you ever met him, but he was really something special. Um, so, you know, that's obviously just an enormous benefit um, for me running, but also for the constituents to have a choice in this election of somebody who brings that much knowledge yeah, um, about a, the job. We have a lot of holes right now. Because of all the folks that have retired or resigned, or yeah. right, the Western Mass, this area is really a little bit 
we're underrepresented yeah. at the moment, right? Stan Rosenberg, the state senator, having resigned also. Northampton technically doesn't have any anybody sitting in either chamber. Correct. Right. And neither does Hatfield. Yeah. yeah. And without seniority, too. That's the other piece of right. this, so, right? Is that somebody that knows. So, so what did you, so sorry, just uh, because, you know, I could have done the homework and read the information Sue got together for this interview. <laughs> But that was too much like work. And um, also, apparently, it's a bad idea to read pieces of paper while you're driving. So um, uh, what was what is your actual job, especially recently for, for Mr. Coco? So um, my, I started out as the title was legislative aide. Um, that's how you start out. And, uh-huh. and then, you you know, I, I ended up his district director. So I don't know. And I don't know what that means. So please. Tell so, me. yeah, I, I will tell you, I was district focused, um, although I worked with Peter. I mean, we talked seven or eight times a day. I obviously was communicating with him about legislation and, and everything he was working on all the time. But being district-focused, I was mainly back here in the later years, um, spent less time in Boston, although I certainly was in. Um, and I worked with constituents. That was the main part of my job. I worked with the local communities on the things that communities rely on a legislator for, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about those later. And then... Um, you know, I, I, that was the main things that I did, the constituent work and the community work and, and tell us what that assisting is. him with the, tell other. us about that right now. Because I mean, I, I, there's, there's a lot to the job of being a representative, uh, that goes beyond the elections. I mean, certainly we, we at least have a vague idea. You have to go out and you have to talk to people and knock on doors and glad hand at fundraising dinners and eat the terrible rubber chicken and so forth because you know unfortunately you do need to raise money to pay for your campaign ads but once you actually get it you know you do have to you know unlike our current president you actually have to spend time you know in the office doing things right so there's there's the obvious policy piece of the job and working on legislation which is um you know just so incredibly important did you work in a legal? You you worked I, in municipal I, law. I did. Too. I was I Part worked for your... a municipal attorney for years as well, and I worked in county government. Um, so I I have a, the there's a, a great breadth of um, municipal and government experience and that I, I can it, draw on. I apologize for interrupting you, but it's just like oh wait, <laughs> you know there's a lot and there's a lot to it, and there's a lot to understanding local government, uh, and and the the um, local government. Governments rely on the legislators for a lot of different things. Um, for instance, um, right now, Northampton is in the process of um, hope, hopefully disposing of the old probate court building, you know, the hideous big cinder block looking thing on King Street across from the hotel. Oh, that's going to be uh, dis- um, it will decommissioned? Be correct. And disposed of. Um in other words, come off the state roll. So that would, that'll be a, a property that, uh, but for that to happen, there has to be special legislation. So I've been working with the mayor. I was working with Stan. Are they going to build a new courthouse there or? Well, no, the, the two, um, uh, the two courts that were in there, the probate court, it wasn't the court. It was registry of deeds in the probate court were in there. They're be- both being relocated. To oh. existing places? To exist. So the probate court went down to one of the new buildings at Atwood down by where the clarion used to be oh that's interesting right off the highway right off right off the highway um so and then the registry of deeds um i know where that's going i'm not sure if it's public yet but it is relocating to somewhere in downtown northampton but this isn't the the hampshire county courthouse that's no 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 that's across the street 
That's the, you're you're thinking of the one that's technically on Gothic Street. Oh, okay, okay. This Sorry. is the um right across the street from the Hotel Northampton, that big sort of. Gray... Oh, sure, 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 sure. Yes, yes, there's a little parking lot. It's near Jake's. Yeah, right. Okay. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. For the for those of you who don't know the area, well, why would you be listening? But yeah. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> I just had a moment to. <laughs> Wait, we have people in, in any Mexico case. In um, the, yes, it's the, true. The um, you know, that property, you know, in all likelihood. Will, will be taken down and something else will be constructed. So for that to happen, though, the state has to pass legislation to actually oh, surplus it. Yeah, surplus it, and then there's a whole process of where it goes out to bid and and then whatever's going to happen happens. Um, but those are the those are the things that um, you know communities rely on legislators for. I'm I'm working right now. Um, Hatfield is trying to add a liquor license to its quota, so I'm working on that. These are the really nitty gritty things, and I would I would describe them as maybe non sexy. Um, you know, they're not as exciting as the policy work, but they're really critically important and a huge part of what legislators do. So you need to really have an understanding of local government, how it works, what their needs are, how local government interfaces with state government. Well, liquor licenses certainly are important to how a town controls what's going on, you know, the, the businesses that are there and what sort of economic activity and social activity is happening there, because the more liquor licenses, the more drinking restaurant establishments you can have and so forth and that makes a difference also in terms of wh who can compete i know right. that the sort of the the i'm most familiar with you know, northampton especially because i lived in this town for a lot of years before that and i until recently owned a business here in northampton as well and i it was a comic book store but still like you know i was sort of hearing about like oh yeah we want to open a restaurant but we can't because you know liquor license yeah, right market market you know like there was all kinds of stuff about that you know and, but, well and there's sometimes a little resistance when when um communities want to add a license um from people who have existing ones because or, or they feel it devalues them right or pry one away from somebody who's like sitting on one for too long oh right? i know that story yeah. Just be quiet about that. Yeah. Um, so well, I, mean, I, I don't have anything to say about that story. Just I, I've heard you heard it. Yeah. I mean, if we, you know, the policy, the policy piece. I just, you know, for the for the people out there listening, um, you know, we've had um, a lot of opportunities to talk about the big policy issues in our debates, and certainly they've been covered in the in the newspaper and and things like that. Um, you know, but I want people to understand that I will, you know, I will be a, a progressive watchdog. Um, and so I, I, you know, I know we want to talk about the other parts of the job, but I just wanted to get that. No, the out legislative there. policy certainly matters, uh, but it certainly matters, of course. Yes, but, absolutely. And I'm excited to be able to work on that stuff. Right, but 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 you're you're saying you are intimately familiar with the parts of the job that are also well the sausage. The, well, <laughs> well, also, the 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 sense that like our society, government serves basic useful functions. It's like sort of part of our societal metabolism, to use a biological metaphor again, uh, as I did last time. And to, you know, we need to we we need to have that working properly. And uh, uh, you know, if it's there's, if it's not being done well, you run into problems. There's a lot to understand yeah. about how municipal government works, and and you need to have that understanding, like even understanding procurement laws and things like that, because that that's all a piece of how all this works. Um, so, you know, it, it's, I, I really feel like the, the experience really makes me uniquely qualified, um, to be able to do that stuff. And, and the familiarity with the district, um, beyond the Northampton borders, because the other four towns are, are just as important. I've worked just as hard for them over the last 16 years, spent a, a tremendous amount of time in all four of those towns. Sure. And you really have to have an understanding of those towns, their uniqueness, um, what they need, um, 
a little bit about their history. It's it's just so critically important. Yeah, I gotta say, I, by the way, so this is somewhat of a uh, of a distraction, but I just I really want to know if you happen to have insight on this. Why is it that like West Hampton, Southampton, and Northampton are in the same district, but East Hampton? My town is not. Like, why is East Hampton sort of excluded out? Like, you like, don't even have to ask that. We all... I'm just kidding. You're, you're the second person <laughs> to ask You guys me. all know that. But, but I'm, I'm dumb. <laughs> well, you know, you're the second person to ask me that today. Okay. Um, somebody who was from East Hampton and said, I would love to vote for you. How come those districts are, are laid out so funny? Is it gerrymandering? Um, is it? No, I don't think so. Historical? I don't think so. And you know something... Well, um, we, are the, we are the home state of Elbridge, Gary, so, you know. When when Peter was first elected, um, he didn't have Montgomery. He had just the four towns. And I can remember being on the pike with him heading into Boston. And he said, oh, hey, by the way, we're getting a new town. And, I, and when he said it was Montgomery, I, where is Montgomery? <laughs> um, is it contiguous? And it is, of course. And, and I've, is you know, I've had the, you go, I, I actually, when I go, I, I, I spend time there once a month. Um. I go up through, I actually end up going through Huntington. Oh, okay. So, so you go up West. through West Hampton and then you go yeah. through Huntington. It's really beautiful, um, really beautiful up there. And I go up and I have um, coffee up there with the Council on Aging once a month. I've done it for years. It's really, really just a fantastic yeah. time. Yeah, well, it's I, great. And I, they're, they're, what kind of issues? I've never been to Montgomery, Montgomery that I can think of. And I've, I've lived in the Valley, North Hampton and East Hampton, especially since 98. The issues that Montgomery has are they're really struggling with the regional school budget, um, mm. particularly the transportation piece. Uh, as you might imagine, Montgomery's a teeny tiny town. It doesn't have a commercial tax base. There's one little tiny business there. So the property, cafe. so the property tax revenue isn't huge. It isn't, and that's all they have. Right. That's all they have. So um, their entire budget is paid for by their real estate taxes. I mean, they have to get so, local aid, obviously, but. Um, you know, so they really, really struggle to try to absorb those, um, school increases, which are just given to them. Um, and then they have to try to find ways to cut their other services, their council on aging, their fire right. department, their, you know, because they um, have to, yeah, because they have to. So one of the things, uh, uh, you know, Ms. Sabadosa mentioned last week is she wanted to work on changing the funding formula because she was concerned, you know, like. We have problems with the unequal distribution of education, which clearly you also see and agree with. So tell me, what do you think about, do you have any thoughts on like, like a, like a, you know, like a strategy or an immediate approach to like fixing the funding formula? Like, you know, tell me more about that. I think I, they yeah. didn't, they didn't touch it, right? Weren't they just going to do Well, they something? were, they were, um, they were working on it, but they, but it did not, uh, cross the finish line. If you want to, yeah, didn't that's they, how you want to describe wasn't it. Wasn't the bill named in honor of? No, that was healthcare. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry. That was healthcare. <laughs> there were a lot <laughs> of pieces of too, legislation though. left on the yes, table there, there when was. they left. There, there were, um, the, I guess Passing the education is hard funding. work, you know, we had naps to take. <laughs> oh, come on now. Um, so, you know, the, I, I think that one of the most obvious um, changes we could make is to have the health care costs that are associated with the school districts come out of the school budget because those are so difficult to control. Yeah. Um, and, and it leaves the, the, the rest of the actual education portion of the budget has to absorb those. It would, so if uh -huh. those could be removed, that seems like a pretty simple thing. I mean, I know it means that now those costs would have to be absorbed by the what they call the town side of the budget. Um, so you're not doing away with that that 
struggle, um, but you're taking it out of the education dollars. Well, if you make it single payer, you know, especially if we can federalize that and say, like, it's all going to be handled by Medicare, um, then, you know, the property tax money just has to go and pay for the actual town administration and not, you know, making sure that nobody in town, you know, gets left by the side of the road when they have a heart attack or whatever. Correct. You know, call me crazy, but I think that's a good idea. <laughs> um, so, so there's that. Um, you know, there's, I think that we could do something different with the charter piece. Um, charter schools? How we're funding the charter schools. Okay. Um, like get rid of them perhaps? Well, you know, uh, in all fairness, I have, I have friends who are having really wonderful experiences at charter schools. Um, I think that we have some really great ones here locally. Um, but, but there is that side to it. I mean, I certainly don't want to add any more charter schools. I just don't want to completely slam them as, you know, they're a useful, um, they have their place and they do serve, um, some, some, some students that, that really need some, some different choices for how they learn. So I don't like to just come out totally swinging against charter schools, but I don't want to, there to be any more is my point. Um, so you know that would that would help as well changing that that funding piece on the charter schools so i forgot what i was going to ask oh i know what it was <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> um yeah and i keep interrupting you so i apologize oh, that's okay, I, I just get really excited i love politics it's it's a terrible sin um but boston boston charter schools they're sort of maxed out and out here we actually aren't really maxed out i think there's still a couple of spots left for charter schools but boston massachusetts did a better job than most states right because they they have a lottery. I mean, they controlled it differently than some of the for-profits in other states. So, and and you know, we've had this debate before. And I, I always go. I have a few friends whose kids were failing because exactly. of, and they needed to be in a school that was a little more protective of kids with autism, or you know, the the artists among us. And so, I think. And there's also magnet schools, which people sometimes confuse with charter schools, where it's the same school department. It's just got a, a special focus, like. Latin or right, right. Um, um, and Smith Spanish Agri immersion, for example, yeah, and yeah. and Smith Agricultural. I mean, it's not a charter school, but it's a very interesting. I mean, it's sort of a gem. I think. Well, you know? so it's a it's a total gem. I mean, I, I have so I, I'm so glad you brought that up because we don't talk about Smith Vocational yeah, very often. It's amazing little high school. I have had the opportunity to um, you know really work closely with Smith Vocational over the years on some some different things and and yeah. um, I, I I don't have kids, so I haven't really thought about like a lot about the schools around here other than like yes i want more well here's money um what is smith vocational is it like connected to smith college not, not at all so okay. it is um it is an it's an independent school system here that it's located in northampton is actually set up by the will of oliver smith who was from hatfield who was the brother of sophia smith who founded smith college and oh, okay. smith academy in hatfield where my daughter goes to school which is a public high school it sounds private but it's a public high school um, so, you know, it was set up as an agricultural high school. It's now the longest running agricultural high school in the country. It is absolutely a gem. And it's technical it's, too, right? It, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so there's plumbing, there's electrical, there's, um, drafting, there's carpentry, there's, um, really there's, um, important things forestry. that we don't, that we don't talk so enough about. We absolutely. do not talk yeah. enough about it. They have cosmetology. They do a culinary program. Have you ever been to the restaurant? I work in Amherst. But I, it's my dream. Someday okay, we're going to have there. a lunch date. <laughs> because 
the Oliver Smith restaurant, which has some limited hours, but they're available on the website. It's absolutely fantastic. These meals are prepared by wait. the students there. It's terrific. Um, Excuse me. Wait. And, so where is this restaurant that it, I could go eat at? Right, right in <laughs> right, Smith Vocational. Right down the road, Michael. Yes, it is right down the road. How did you not tell me about I blame you. <laughs> it, it does have limited hours, but check it out on the web. Of course, it's not open in the summer because it's operated by students. But they also Sigh. have, so, you know, there's the machine shop there that they've been, you know, updating. And they, I mean, they are turning out kids who are mm. getting at high school graduation jobs making upwards of $50,000. And they can't turn them out fast enough. There's so many yeah. um, machining and, and um you know, tooling businesses around here. That's a great opportunity, great Absolutely. job for kids who maybe don't yeah. want to consider college for whatever reason. Yeah. So there's an absolutely incredible things going on over there, and I'm so grateful for all the opportunities I've had to um, to tour there and, and tour there with the Secretary of Education and different people like that. It's it's absolutely phenomenal stuff. And they, they never stay, they're never stagnant at Smith Folk. So they add a nursing program. They add a criminal justice program. They're always moving. It's, it's really impressive. People should learn more about Smith Vocational. I am the wife, proud wife of a Smith Vocational graduate. Um, and, you know, he, 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 he works hard and he does well and he, he was well taught there. It was a long, very long time ago. <laughs> but I think that, um, I do want to clarify, it's not necessarily that I am anti-charter school. I am more pro, uh, magnet school and things that are actually connected to a school system. Um, I, Sue and I have, have an eternal battle about this, which we won't get into tonight, but I did just want to clarify about oh, that. That, um, But I think that it's an extremely important thing that we should absolutely be um, pushing more, and we absolutely don't here or anywhere. So it's not just here, but um, vocational training for students who aren't necessarily cut out for college. I think we've We've really started pushing kids into college who don't necessarily want or need to be there or literally can't be there because it's just not the kind of learning that they need. It doesn't benefit them and it costs them a lot of money. And exactly. Just, so I have I have a son who's 22 and a half and, and he is still working on his college degree, but he has some sure. friends who finished and he has he has friends that graduated from Smith Vocational who own homes. Absolutely. And yeah. they're 22 years old and they own homes. Yeah. Not they're not straddled with student debt. They're no. working and they they own homes. That's and they like what they that. do absolutely. Too. That's yeah. the other part. They love what they oh do. they love what they do and they're good yeah. at it and it's really yeah. it's, so it you know again it, I guess it wouldn't be a fit for everybody but for the kids that it works for it's it's just an amazing amazing opportunity over there at yeah. vocational. That's my that's my plug for Vogue. <laughs> we should uh, I'll make a note to myself. We should see about recording a PSA for them because uh, we could be plugging them on the station. Well, I bet that they don't have any uh, problem with getting people in. I bet they're probably turning people away, which is it's, another problem. It's getting competitive, and and you know what they're offering? They also offer some adult classes. Well, I have I seen that, that as well. Absolutely, yeah. and that's part of that not. Um, stagnating oh, piece that yeah, I was just cool. talking about. They are just always hey, moving forward. I, I'm an adult, and, and I you can class. tour the farm too. You can tour the farm, and you can have lunch at the Oliver Smith restaurant. 
I sound like I'm like an advertisement for them, <laughs> but they yeah. really, um, <laughs> but it is a hidden gem, and I'm really, I'm, I'm glad you're right. And I yeah, keep looking at that welding class that I just said would love oh, to I take. Oh, well, <laughs> I have friends that I've done, have done that. I would love yeah. to do that. Absolutely. Really? No. My husband's sorry, an but, ace welder. Sorry, uh, no. Great welder. Stacy, we are not letting you get your hot little hands on some kind of like blowtorch thing. <laughs> I can have my father teach me, but <laughs> I think it would be it's easy. It's an art form. It is an art form. No, I'm just terrified about what you'll do with <laughs> my father's um official job both my parents worked for the state their entire lives mm-hmm. um, my official my father's official title was uh sheet metal worker two At, with what department uh they actually both worked for tooksbury hospital their entire okay. lives so my mom started out in the mail room became an operator back in the days mm-hmm. i can remember going and she was doing the thing where you see in the old movies with putting plugs into uh, different holes. My mom did that. And then she ended up back in the um, mail room. And then my dad was basically a handyman his whole life there. Mm-hmm. I have a special affection for state employees, public employees, and, and certainly people who work in jobs like that. My husband's a mechanic. Cool. Oh, um, so we're, we've hit our halfway point. <laughs> oh, so goodness. No, no, we're going to keep talking, but we're going to take a short break before we do that. So uh, we're going to play some uh, PSAs, promos, and station IDs, uh, keep the FCC happy. But uh, you're listening to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Charlie. I fight fires, and I save lives. My name's Renee. I'm a cardiologist. I save lives. My name's Anthony. I'm an EMT. I save lives. You don't have to be a professional to save a life. Firefighters, doctors, and others save lives. You can, too. Don't wait. To learn more about the warning signs and how you can help prevent suicide, visit save.org. In a crisis, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. I'm Rachel Maddow with the Pioneer Valley Planning Commission and the Franklin Regional Council of Governments for Valley Free Radio, reminding you that legally bicycles are vehicles and bicyclists have the same rights and responsibilities and should observe the same rules as motorists. For more information on bicycle rights and safety, go to www.massbike.org. Did you know there is a CSA from which you can get locally brewed beer shares? Or that there is a delivery service that can bring produce from local farms to your door every week? Farm to Fork is a radio program dedicated to revealing the history of the food system in the Pioneer Valley and exploring the bounty the valley has to offer. The program tackles the complex issues surrounding food, drink, and every kind of nutrient with their individual production schemes and consumer markets. These topics and more, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. on Farm to Fork, Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, WXOJLP, Northampton. Fresh Sounds with your host, Ron Freshly, Tuesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on WXOJLP, bringing you the music of Bud Powell, Wardell Gray, Art Blakey, Duke Ellington, Abby Lincoln, Tad Dameron, Yusef Latif, Bix Beiderbeck, Cassandra Wilson, Tom Harrell, Jane Ira Bloom, and thousands more. Looking for an international experience but unable to travel? Consider hosting an adult international student studying English, maybe from the Congo, Iran, Tibet, Saudi Arabia, Spain, Uganda, Tunisia, India, or Iraq. We need friendly hosts interested in a true cross-cultural interchange, fluent in English, and living within a 15-minute walk or convenient bus ride to downtown Northampton. Join ILI's nonprofit effort to create language and cultural immersion experiences for our students. A stipend offsets costs. 
For more details, go to www.ili.edu or email amy at ili.edu. We are the International Language Institute of Massachusetts in downtown Northampton. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of, uh, out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow still. Uh, I'm joined by Sue Timberlake and Stacy Cooney. Hey there. And Stacy has a has a some really a really good question to sort of get us rolling in the second half for our guest tonight, uh, Diana Zinal, who is running to be the Democratic nominee for the first Hampshire district in the uh, Massachusetts State House, representing us at this at the state level. Correct. Uh, the primary for those of you who uh, weren't listening in the first half is going to be Tuesday, September fourth, fourth. <laughs> and um, and you can still register to vote for that if you aren't already. If you live in Northampton, Hatfield, West Hampton, Southampton, or Montgomery, you have until next Wednesday, the 15th of August, to register to vote so that you can, in fact, participate in that. Um, Even if you don't live there, if you want to vote for someone else, you should also register. You should yes. just register. <laughs> exactly. Just register. Please do. Please register. Right. Um, Regardless of where you live. Correct. Oh, and if I, you're in Mongolia and you're listening to this on the web, please register to vote. Oh, yes. get an in, absentee ballot. Yeah. Well, if if you're if you're a Mongolian resident, register in Mongolia. But you know, yes. otherwise, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And uh, and uh, the last day to register for the general election, which is November sixth this year. You can register by I think it's I think it's a Wednesday again, but it's October seventeenth is the last day to register for the general election. Oh, and I just want to mention uh, we were talking earlier about how the state house hasn't done such a great job of passing some important bills. But one bill that did get signed today that I firmly approve of is tax free weekend. Oh no, sorry. <laughs> uh, Actually, tax free weekend. Whatever is I mean, the worst is absolutely a terrible, terrible idea. I, I, I'm on the whole in favor of taxes as they are how we pay for a civil society. But, um, <laughs> sorry, I was being funny. I know because you're, <laughs> you're Republicans and taxes. But, um, uh, it was the measure that uh, means that by the 2020 election, uh, the default will be. You are registered to vote when you, you know, sign up to register your car or various other sort of interactions with the state. If you don't want to be registered, you can opt out, but otherwise you are registered and then, you know, don't have to go through a lot of hoops in order to actually be able to cast a ballot when you want to. Uh, I think Hooray. that's, Hooray. I think, I think huge. that's terrific, huge, absolutely excellent, terrific. Yes. I, I, I absolutely agree. And, uh, I, I hope the rest of the country follows our example. This is, I, I like to talk about how Massachusetts is cool because we do things the other country needs, the rest of the country needs to do, like like legalizing gay marriage and stuff like that. So, right. you know. Anyway, so... Uh, so Which was something, uh, I'll say that, you know, I was proud to work for Peter Cocott every day, but that was the proudest day. Yeah. That was the proudest day for me. Nice. Working for him. That was. Yeah. 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 Just had to get that out there. Absolutely. So, so Stacy, start us off. So I have kind of a two-pronged question, and they go off sort of in other, in prongs, uh, separately, but they're ultimately connected. So one of the things that I'm really interested in hearing about is what your feelings are on funding and really services for the elderly, people with disabilities, people with mental health issues, 
And the other big one is, of course, and we talked about it last week with the other candidate, is transportation. Correct. And so those are the two things that I'm really interested in, and I think a lot yeah. of people are. Well, yeah. And, and there's an overlap with public transport and people exactly, who need right. services. Yeah. There's so, and this is one thing that I talk about a lot is just sort of intersecting priorities. I mean, everything is really interconnected. So that's actually the first point I just want to make. Um, transportation is an issue that I hear about a lot. So uh, working with constituents, again, this is where I think having that constituent um, experience really will translate into important legislative action for me. I was on the phone today with someone talking about an elderly woman in Northampton having transportation issues. Um, I uh, last week was trying to help someone. Uh, we did we were able to help a gentleman who couldn't get to dialysis, and just from Northampton, going into Northampton, staying in town. Oh wow. Um, it's unacceptable. Oh, because it's absolutely it's so unacceptable. many times a week. So uh, it's yeah. There's just the the PVTA rates went up. He wasn't able to afford that. There's just a lack of yeah. Um, and the PVTA was forced to cut bu- cut sorry cut the number of buses and and I think dropped some routes altogether. Did they not? I I don't know about specific routes. I don't know about cutting routes, but I can tell you they absolutely did pair back. Oh yeah. Uh, they right. cut. They actually did cut the Minuteman uh, 40, which was the express bus to Northampton, which is why I can no longer take the bus to my work. I used to take the bus to work almost every day, but now I have to drive the... every day because the two routes that used to pick me up in Hadley now are express routes and don't stop in Hadley. And so if I want, unless I want to get silly. up super right. early in the morning and go home either or too early or super late, I can't use the bus anymore. Right. Wait, do they cut the 38 or? We'll, no, we'll no, ask off is, the air. It's the 43. So, so let's, oh, the 43. Okay, right. I mean, okay. so if there's those issues within the boundaries of Northampton, imagine mm-hmm. the issues that folks are having in West Hampton Absolutely. or Montgomery or even yeah. out of the district. We still need to care about this. Chesterfield, Goshen, you know. What are those? What are they doing? Yeah. How are they getting to doctor's appointments? They're relying on family members. They're relying on friends. It's got to be nearly impossible. Obviously, we need to fix that. When I, w- I was talking with um, a wonderful employee of the the Hatfield, uh, not Hatfield, Northampton Senior Center, and we were talking about this issue at length today, actually. Yeah. And um, one of the things in conversation that came up was I was saying how Hatfield has really made a commitment to. Um, taking care of its its elderly folks. And we run two vans. In contrast, Northampton runs two vans. So think about the think about the population <laughs> difference. Absolutely. Um, now Northampton so- is is you know they they've they've added those vans. Transportation is is a priority for them and and you know I'm sure that they'll continue to make improvements in that. But just think about the difference there of a of a town with thirty two hundred people and a and a and a city with what twenty eight thousand? Yeah, and thirty two hundred. I was going to ask you how many folks. Thirty four, thirty two, <laughs> somewhere around there. Somewhere we, around. Northampton is is a, a ballpark about ten times the size of Hatfield. Correct. Let's, you know, more right, or less eight to ten, something like right, that. Right. Yeah. Right. So there, you know, we need we need the, right. It would be so great if if we could find the funding to help Northampton do better because it's it's certainly not a lack of concern, but there these things cost money, and there are so many places where we could find that money. Yeah. So many things that we are doing, even in what is considered liberal bastion Massachusetts, that are just crazy when you think about the things that we're not putting money into, like education and transportation for the elderly. Not even for other people, but the elderly. Right. And people with disabilities. And that that was... Well, 20 years ago when I moved out to the Valley, uh, I was getting my hair cut by a 
gentleman named Ernie in Northampton. Ernie, of course. You remember him? Ernie was a legend. Of course, I remember right, right, Ernie. Okay. Right. Okay. So, uh, you know, and he was like 90 years old and basically mm-hmm. just cutting hair in his little shop just because mm-hmm. something to do. But I remember him telling me about how he used to take the streetcar down to Holyoke and mm-hmm. hop in the, all the time, and that was easy to get around. And he says he, you know, he misses missed it because you know it was getting hard for him to drive and. It just wasn't easy to get around anymore. There and used to be a trolley in Hatfield. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, and just think about how, you know, I, I, Hatfield isn't going to become sort of like the local hub in the way that no. Northampton is. And it <laughs> no. doesn't need to. No. But like if it's It doesn't connect- want to be. Right. And right. that's fine. But like if, if there's a connection as easy as, yeah, I'll hop the regular, you know, every, even if it's every hour, every, I'll, I'll hop the trolley or whatever. Oh my God! Think about how 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 much better things would be if, if we could do. So that. is this how we transition into the rail discussion? Uh, or or not? Um, because you get to pick that. Because by the way, this is civil politics here on Valley Free Radio. We've got about fifteen minutes left. Okay. So you know it does go by too fast. Yeah. Can yeah. I have another hour? <laughs> um, not on air, but yeah. <laughs> and and you you mentioned sort of the the categories when we were setting up the show, and I talked to you a little bit about some of the things we might ask you. Um, you were saying the four categories of folks that just don't, they're just so underserved. And I was surprised by them because it wasn't a list I would have put in the same group before. And I think, uh, maybe I have this wrong, but veterans, elderly. People uh, with disabilities. People with disabilities. And homeless Me- people. Um, l- low income and, and people with um, addiction and or mental health issues. So, again, mm. when you're in the trenches doing constituent work this is this is the these are the people that you're working with well of course the people who need help i mean we've i mean at least mike and i have been in the valley before and after when they basically turfed everyone out of the group homes Mm -hmm. and things like that and there's obviously there was a huge change correct it was was it was brutal absolutely and um you know we're lucky we have some we have some agencies locally that are stellar ServiceNet is stellar. Um, Whole Children, Family Empowerment. These are and th- these are um, entities I've had the privilege of working with um, over the years. But uh, you know, it's I, I, ServiceNet is stellar when they're not overextended, which sometimes they are. I've I've I know people who've had problems with ServiceNet, and it was always because like ServiceNet has like three people to handle. You know, have have twice as many clients as they have people for. Because all of a sudden, here ServiceNet have everybody else's problems because. No one else can do it. Now. That's like and I have DCF, to. Actually. I have to also yeah. uh, put a shout out to um, a, an objection to whole children. I know some people who have autism who have had some real bad experiences uh, with them, and we're really not happy with oh. the fact that they they bad. seem to be a little more. Uh, they seem to to support some real autism stuff that's not so great. Interesting. Um, so I, I've, I've never heard that or, or, or really or, or problems with ServiceNet either. I, I have to be honest. Um, and I and I. Well, they, they were from people who were specifically their, their clients. And just mm-hmm. it's, it, like I could over the years, I just noticed a difference. Like it's like, oh, yeah, it's great. It's like, oh, man, there's so many more people here now, but they don't have any more staff. And I'm like, oh, huh. they're Gee, overworked. Wonder, there's it, no question. It, it, exactly. Absolutely. No, and, I would say so, that that is their real problem. Yeah, yeah. I'm, so, I, you know, I, and the, the issue I like is, the people at ServiceNet and everything I've seen about them. But, yeah, they're overworked. They're, <laughs> and underpaid. They're yes. underpaid, Absolutely. and so there's yeah. a huge turnover all the time. Sure. We need to fix Because, I mean, that. a lot of them are working they, for minimum wage, which is still, right. even in, even as it's increasing in Massachusetts, it's still a problem. Right. So I mean, and so residential yeah, 11, yeah. care, 
people who are providing um, services in residential homes, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and are staying there overnight and that sort of thing. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of turnover, which mm-hmm. isn't good for the um, the residents of the home. Oh um, yeah, no, I I have an ex boyfriend who does that, and uh, you know. People are constantly calling out because they just can't do it. People are constantly mm-hmm. just burning out and leaving. Um, right. Yep. They're not paid and enough. They're leaving. And so that that lack of a continuum of care. Think about being the parent of someone who needs to be in residential care and not being sure of the level of care that they're getting. Absolutely. Or that, that they have certain staff members that they can count on. Yeah. That must that must just be that rips me apart because we so when we you know, I, I oftentimes, you know, attend legislative functions. That's another another part of this sure. job. Uh go to a lot of functions on behalf of Rep Cocot and you know, done that for years and years and years. And and you have the um you know, the privilege of going to things um, put on by the Department of Developmental Services or put on by ServiceNet or Stavros or whatever, um, you know, agency it may be. And you you then get into anecdotal, um, you, you get to listen to actual stories of people who have had um, a lot of success stories. I will say a lot of success stories. And I, I sit there and I cry and I try not to cry at legislative functions, but I do sometimes. <laughs> um, but... You know, obviously, you hear concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, people who talk about that very what I was just talking about. You know, not knowing if their yeah. if their their um, disabled child who's now an adult who's in at home is is being cared for properly. And those people parents. generally don't have a lot of education in this. They might be lovely people who are devoted to the care of these people, but they don't have training in that either. And oh, you're so the staffers. The staffers. Yeah, so yeah. you have someone who's sitting there all night. They might be devoted. They might have been there for five years, but they don't have any real background in, you know, they're, they're people who had, well, if who, it, who it, were available, who passed a Corey test, uh, a yeah. Corey check and, you know, well, were I'm, willing to, to, to sit there for the money, uh, uh, which is not to say anything bad about them. It's that they're not being given. No, no, no. But Stacy, remember, if they're they not had, paid n- enough. if they, well, and if they had nursing training, we'd have to pay them more. My God. I mean, you know, it's like this is catch twenty two. You want them to have more training, but more training may, means that they're all they're be even more underpaid because it's we not like we'll start paying them. Well, you know that I don't believe in non living wages. We need to so. fund these. Neither do I. <laughs> we we need to fund these agencies better. Yeah, we need to absolutely. Provide, but let's talk about there are success stories. Let's talk oh, about absolutely. Let's absolutely. talk about yep. Prospect Meadow Farm in Hatfield because that is a su- success story. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, there it just unbelievable work that they're doing there. It's a working farm, completely staffed by people with developmental disabilities, independence, sense of purpose, dignity. They're earning money. It's just the most beautiful, wonderful thing. I've been there. With, I mean, they grow mushrooms there. They grow <laughs> And it's valley farming. They, I mean, that's I a good thing. I held a goat when I was there. I mean, there's just really wonderful goats things. Goats are the best. I, you know. <laughs> um, so there's, there's the really, th- this is what we need to do is focus kidding? on the things that are, are going well and, and make sure that, we're, that we're funding them properly. And I think that yeah. that's the issue is that we need to fund them better and we need to pay these people. So for instance, we know someone who is a waitress at night, but during the day, their job is working at a place that works with adults with developmental disabilities. I can't believe the and hours she puts in. Yeah. Oh she has she to work a yeah, second job because right. otherwise, and her husband, she's a husband who's a fully employed, 
as a contractor and they can't make ends meet between his his and her salaries if she didn't work this second job and you know and so though that's someone someone doing that work though that's like she's that's she's a hero to me i mean that that that's what i think um same with you know one of the things we're not talking about in this in this election is the foster care system um you know couple of years ago this was on everybody's minds absolutely we, yeah. we had yeah. some really horrible situations we were talking about you know the changes that needed to happen at dcf and, and they did um you know there's there's been a lot more staff brought in and and things are are certainly improving but you know let's talk about the heroes of our foster care system i mean people who are doing that kind of work that is <laughs> we need to make sure that they can get daycare vouchers that that's yeah. a hurdle to people being able to take in foster care children being able to have the the voucher to put their put the foster kids in daycare just like most of us had to put our kids in daycare well and how about you know government funded daycare because daycare is a huge issue. I mean, just daycare yeah. in general. I mean, the amount of the uh, the amount that daycare charges, and it's not to say that they shouldn't be charging that because that's probably the real value. But so many people can't afford that. Right. And I mean, you know, for instance, my sister has kids, and when she was, uh, you know, when they were younger, I mean, this was in Maine, but it's the same thing. She literally quit her job because she was paying her entire paycheck to. Daycare. So there was literally no point for her having a job. Right. Yeah. Right. But I still think, I mean, I, I still think daycare providers aren't really paid that much. Exactly. I mean, and so that's why, that's right. why I so prefaced it so with that is the to real. Pay that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not as if they're making huge money. Exactly. Either. And, you know, I mean, I had, um, I had a home daycare for my kids, um, you know, in someone's home and it was like the best investment ever. But it was, it was a stretch. There, it was really expensive. And and it, it does become a, a big you know uh, burden on families right. to be able to afford that. So I, like I said, if it was a... I like free pre K, sure. I like Absolutely. the concept of free pre K, and and so obviously it doesn't eliminate the need for daycare because you're you know they're still going to need to be in in um in daycare for a few years if but, if that's what you but need. But pre K like age three. Before? I mean, usually pre-K starts 2.9. Yeah. Um, they become eligible at about 2.9. Um, I know, you know, Hatfield has a great preschool. There's great preschools in Northampton. You have to pay for them, and, and some folks can't. I, I, my daughter went to um, preschool with a family that had triplets oh, and God. was paying, you know, full <laughs> price for triplets. No. And, yeah, yeah. and it, you know, I mean, I just don't know they don't how do a family well, volume would do discount? that. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. Um, but... You know, it, 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 young families who are now, so they're, they still have student debt. If they're lucky, they have a mortgage, right? If they're lucky, they've been able to qualify for sure. a mortgage. Or a Otherwise, job at the or, moment. Or, yeah. yeah, right. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. we have pretty low. pretty low Yeah, right it's pretty now. low yeah. right now. But Massachusetts is a lot um, better than most places. But also, let's hope they have a mortgage that doesn't have a balloon payment or some, some shenanigans like that. Right, right. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it's a struggle. It really creates a big struggle. Are we getting, are you giving no, no, me a good. time warning? Okay. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah the next yeah. person, we can see the next person is coming in for a yeah, live yeah. show. So we, got so about, we, got about three, we got about three more minutes. So, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I guess I, I would, I would just finish this up by saying that, you know, when you, when you make this decision of who should be your state rep, you need to trust that they're going to be on the right side of policy decisions. You need to trust that they're going to um, make those decisions they're going to be informed. They're going to make them with a progressive heart um, and and really have those decisions be constituent 
driven policy decisions. Um, you need to trust that they're going to um, be effective during the budget process, that they understand the budget process, that they know all those working pieces, what agencies are important, what agencies you need to really fight for in those budget lines, um, how that, that state budget filters down to your communities in Chapter 70, Chapter 90. Hopefully, quick question. Yeah. What things do you think are getting more funding than they should get? Is there anything out there you think is getting more funding than it should? That could get pruned, as it were? No. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fair. Absolutely fair. No. I don't think so. I mean, no. Um, where was I? So <laughs> oh, sorry. Budget. I didn't mean to, <laughs> budget. Um, to derail you So you need, to, you need to trust that, that the next state rep is going to be effective during the budget process. It's really, really important. You need to fight to make well, sure those monies come back here. It's it's the root of what the, the job is. Like, we put our money into, our, our surplus into a big communal pool, and then we decide how we're going to split it up and... Use it, use it well, to and to people. some extent, it becomes the measure of a legislature, legislator, yeah. right? How much they're able because to produce for their district. Historically, that is the issue, is that we pay money and it doesn't come back to us. No. Um, right. And now we've got this this change in, in clout and it's going to be a rebuilding time no matter who gets elected. And I'm going to be straight up front about that. I won't have any <laughs> clout. Um, I'll have to earn it. Um, anyone would have to earn it. So there's the budget. There's the policy stuff, and there's you need to make sure that you choose someone who understands the the community issues and what your town or city is going to rely on your legislator for, and will they be effective in getting that done? And then the constituent piece, that's what it's all about. The 40,000 people here who rely on the state rep for you name it, you name it, from handicap placards to figuring out transportation to dialysis. Oh, gosh, the list is miles long. We, we don't have the time. You we have, don't, because we've got we've to wrap up. Now. Can I ask one question? I've been pretty quiet over here. You it's have very been public quiet. Thing. Yeah, just, you know. So just a quick one. You've got a lot of endorsements. They're interesting to me, and I just wanted you to maybe say them out loud or, you know, some of the endorsements you've got, because they're, they're interesting endorsements, given what you just said. Right. So I have Mayor Narkowitz. I have former Mayor Higgins. I have the District Attorney David Sullivan. I have um, Rep. Cybeck, Rep. Kulik, Rep. Story. And what makes me really oh, Ellen Story. Ellen Story. Yeah. Yes, yes, um, it, yes. I'm very proud of that because uh, I really admire her. I admire all of those people I just listed. And I think what I think is really important about those is those are your chosen leaders, and those are people who have worked with me and have faith in how I will move forward. They have faith in my judgment and my abilities. And I think that as your chosen leaders, for them to put their faith in me, uh, it's very humbling. It makes me very proud. Yep. Well, uh, we're going to have to leave it there. But thank you for joining us, uh, Diana Zinal, who's uh, running to be the uh, Democratic nominee for the first Hampshire legislative district here in the state of Massachusetts. And there's no Republicans, so whoever wins the Democratic primary it will likely be. Very likely. It could be a write-in at the end. We'll see. But... Anyway, that primary is coming up on Tuesday, September 4th, so uh, you'd have until next Wednesday to register for that if you live in, in the First Hampshire. And coming up next, we have, uh, here on Valley Free Radio, we have Subculture, uh, indie, electronica, and post-punk music, really cool show, followed by Table of Contents, and then OK Asia, and finally, uh, uh, in the wee hours of the night, a rerun of Drum and Bass with DJ Fife. This show is part of the Planetside Productions Network. 
For more information, please visit www.planetside.pro and thank you for listening.